Caroline Guthrie. I'm Meg Fariello. And we are here to discuss the first seven tales in Tales from Jabba's Palace. I am thrilled to be doing this (laughs) This book. is very exciting. Um, This is so different than anything else. Wild. This is a wild read for me. Um, I'd never had read any of the tales. I only ever read novels when I was into it and you had read this one I have and I mean maybe we can talk a little bit about this towards the end and because you haven't read this I don't know how far this conversation will go but like thinking about me as like an 11 or 12 year old reading this book (laughs) boggles my mind (laughs) I mean this book I mean but then I think about the things I was reading when I was 11 or 12 and so many mind-boggling things that eleven and twelve-year-olds probably shouldn't yeah, read. Yeah, so. I, and and I, I'm sure this has come up on the podcast before, but we both talked about like that we were pretty sensitive kids and like got scared very easily. And we haven't gotten to the two tales that scared the crap out of me, although they've been referenced so far, and, and I can point out where when we get to it. But um, I remember like this is one of the books that like had to live in the hallway. Like I couldn't <laughs> keep it in my room. Um, and it's the Assassin's Tale in particular, which I think we'll we'll read at like the third uh, section of I this. I feel like this book, and I mean the you you've talked before about crying over the Rancor Keeper's yeah. tale, and I I do think that the Rancor Keeper's tale is was very sad. I think that if I had read this as a kid, that um, Ula's tale yes. would have really upset me a lot. Yeah, it has that kind of like exciting. tragedy. Yeah, they're um, all bummers. And I didn't remember that. Like, I didn't remember that they're all pretty dark. The one that really stuck with me on this reading was (laughs) the Gamoran Guard. Um, I, okay. I was laughing (laughs) out loud at that tale. I mean, it's hilarious, but it's it's also really harrowing. And and I don't remember as a kid feeling sorry for the Gamorrean guard. But as a thirty-two-year-old, I was like, my heart was pouring out to that poor dumb dumb. Like, why isn't someone taking care of this guy? Like, why does he have this job? (laughs) Are there no facilities to like house? Like, he obviously needs to live in some sort of supervised. situation like some kind of like group home or oh he was like and very genuine and wanted to help people he wants to just we'll get him okay so i don't know what the best way to break this down is because this is a collection of short stories like interlocking short stories yeah do we want to like go story by story and try to or just like quickly i guess maybe the best way to do this is like quickly synopsize each story and then sort of pick up because the they they interweave so much yes they do yeah that it might be okay so the first tale is um a boy and his monster the rancor keeper's tale by which is by kevin j anderson right who also also edited this collection we should we should mention yeah yeah um 
So in the Rancor Keeper's Tale, a ship that is transporting a Rancor mm-hmm. crashes on Tatooine, and the Jawas that find it decide that the best way to offload this Rancor is to Jabba. So um, Bib Fortuna and a Corellian guy. Yeah, I guess maybe he shows up in other books, because the way they were describing him, I was like... Yeah, it seemed like I was supposed to know who he was. Yeah, but I didn't know who he was. <laughs> no. They buy the Rancor for Jabba as a birthday present. Yeah, and they try to surprise him, but you can't surprise Jabba. <laughs> no, Jabba's, no, Jabba knows. Yeah. Um, and then they also bring in this Rancor keeper who has worked as a monster trainer for a traveling cir- space circus yeah, of called monsters. Circus Horrificus. <laughs> and his name is Malakili? Is that yeah. yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. And Malakili just bonds with the Rancor. Yeah. He, um, he, he loves monsters of all kinds. And he really gets them. Yeah. And they get him because the Rancor yeah. comes to... And of course we know from... Um, Courtship of Princess Leia that Rancors are giant puppies yeah, anyway. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so... Like a cross between... Like a puppy with the size and intelligence of an elephant yeah. and the teeth of a T-Rex. But, right. like... But puppies. Come. Yeah, and so he... He um, feels very sorry for the Rancor because he knows that this creature just wants to go running. It seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, they don't mention Dathomir at all. I'm not sure that anyone knows no. like exactly what a Rancor... No, none. I don't think anyone in this tale has come in contact with Rancors yeah. before. Like, they like, know its name, but they don't... They figure out that it's a Rancor, but they don't know like what its natural environment is. Yeah, because or... he's like, oh, I'll take him like a jungle planet, which is like correct, but it seemed like he didn't really know like where... Yeah. So yeah, so he comes up with this... Well, he first he first uh, lets the Rancor out at a certain point, and he's like, kind of like, I don't give a crap about like, yeah, getting caught. Like this Rancor really needs to just like run. Yeah, um, and, then, and everyone's just sort of yeah, whatever. No one yeah, cares. Yeah, came back, whatever. Yeah, and and <laughs> and they keep reiterating that like basically Jabba is infatuated with this Rancor, but he knows Malakili knows that like as soon as Jabba finds something bigger that destroys the Rancor. Right, he just wants to watch the Rancor fight, and he wants to see the Rancor right lose. die, basically. And so they're they're in the process, which I don't know how they're gonna do, knowing how hard it is to catch a crate dragon. Crate <laughs> <laughs> dragons in the Star Wars universe are so these like mythological beings that live on Tatooine, but like Jabba's trying to get a crate dragon to come. <laughs> yeah, fight to the fight Rancor. the Rancor, and so Malakili says, "I gotta get my Rancor. Yeah, my baby out boy here. out of here." And my sweet baby angel Rancor. (laughs) And he meets with sort of Jabba's uh, chief rival, Lady Valerian. Yeah, who comes up a lot. Yeah. She's She's a a whippet. She's a whippet. And Lady Valerian, he sort of tries to barter with Lady Valerian, offer information or whatever. But ultimately, Lady Valerian says, like, I'll just, if you want to steal Jabba's Rancor, great. That sounds hilarious. I will get a ship. Just be at the drop-off point outside Java's palace and can hop on you in this Rancor, free ride, whatever. Yeah, I'd be so excited to watch Jabba be embarrassed that his Yeah, like, I know Jabba loves this Rancor, so let's take it. Yeah. Um, so he comes up with this plan. Um, he has some people, like, within Jabba's palace who are going to escape with them. Um, right. And then... Luke uh, Skywalker. Luke Skywalker shows up and... Uh, you know, at first, uh, Malakili's like, oh, like, the Rancor's going to beat this guy in, like, two seconds. 
yeah little like skinny dude like n- no problem what? hurry up and uh, eat him so we can get going baby yeah and we all know what happens how to that Rancor. story ends and so that's the explanation of the heavy man weeping thing yeah is that he loved that rancor and he and they genuinely were that close to, to getting away yeah to freedom and that is a recurring theme throughout these yes. tales basically every tale is either about somebody who wants to who wants to get out of Jabba's palace or somebody who is there because they are like plotting against right Jabba right. in some way and they um, mostly fail yeah but it seemed like there were about but at the time that Luke shows up here at Jabba's palace there are about six or seven different yes. oh yeah uh, like plots in motion <laughs> <laughs> like if Luke hadn't come the next Tuesday Jabba was gonna get killed yeah there's no way Jabba was surviving this sort of life of excess because there's yeah. hundreds of people in Jabba's palace and they're all out to kill him. Yeah, they're, it's pretty bad. Um, um, yeah, so the second tale... Is Taster's Choice, The Tale of Jabba's Chef by yeah, Barbara, Barbara Handley. Handley. Who wrote Children of the Jedi, I think, which is a, a novel, a standalone novel. Um, so she's also written... Some of these people have not written for the Star Wars universe, but she has. Okay. Um, and this is about Porcellus? Yeah, which that's an... Another point, maybe, is that these names are so, like, ancient Rome as opposed to the typical Star Wars. They are. They have, like, a Harry Pottery feel about yeah. them. Um, and Porcellus is, like, the best chef in the galaxy. He's won, like, awards. Yeah, this, is, this is like if Wolfgang Puck somehow ended up in the yeah, basement enslaved. of Jabba's palace. Yeah. Enslaved in Jabba's palace. and Porcellus are both enslaved. Like, they are not right. working. They're not getting paid. To work for Jabba. Um, how, did they say how Porcellus ended up there? No, it seems like Jabba just like just wanted a really him? good chef, and someone just snagged him. Yeah, got him. Or on tricked there. him. Maybe yeah. they told him they were bringing him out for some kind of like big engagement, but right, then just didn't. like locked him in a dungeon to yeah. cook food. And uh, Porcellus gets a mega crush on Leia. Oh yeah, she's. <laughs> there and he's like bringing her little jelly donuts and coffee yeah. in the morning yeah he feeds when han comes out of carbonite because he like realizes that she's in love with han he like goes and feeds him and at yeah. the end when they like bring han out um before the starlight pit he's like i wonder if they're gonna notice how like healthy he looks <laughs> yeah him. and he's doing way better than prisoners right, yeah, yeah. Here usually do. yeah so parcells is like a french <laughs> In the Star Wars universe, which I guess is fine. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he cooks beignets, and there's a lot of mention of like French style. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, <laughs> like they talk about like roulades and like <laughs> he is he is a French chef. <laughs> He's a French chef. Um, he is a uh, cordon bleu uh, trained. And yeah, so poor poor salad. He's very nervous because cooking for Jabba is a very nerve-wracking if he doesn't like your food basically you're dead dead. um and so Jabba keeps telling him and people around Jabba keep saying that your food is what's the word fire fire fic fire fic or Um, fear fic fear fic and Porcellus interprets this as like poison like he thinks yeah that's what Malakili tells him is that 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 Jabba said that there's fear fic in the food and that's poison and so Jabba's got his eye on you basically right so like Porcellus keeps like feeding people around Jabba to be like look they're not dying like (laughs) it's not poison but um he also and this gets explained in some of the later stories but he he finds his 
his like sous chef, the like kitchen boy who's been helping him dead. Right. In, the in kitchen. his kitchen. There's one of the whippets. Is it a whippet? Yeah. Yeah. Is found dead. Um, and so he's very nervous. He keeps like having to move these bodies. Yeah. Oh. People keep being found dead. Yeah. And Porcellus has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, but he, but they keep dying like around the kitchen. Yeah. And so he just like keeps hiding bodies, getting <laughs> dumb, dumb Gamorrean guards to like. And take... there's like a Gamorrean guard who's just like wandering through carrying dead bodies. Dead bodies, which we will get to with the Gamorrean yeah. guard tale. Um, so yeah, so Porcellus is just like sweating bullets. He's so nervous. He keeps oh, yeah, like making different food. It doesn't work. Um, and then finally, um, this is after Ula, I think. Yeah. Dies in the star- or in the goes into the Rancor pit. Um, right, because Leia's there as a replacement. Right, and he's ta- he's Leia like Pearl. being called to Jabba, I think, and Jabba's like, you know, I've had it with your food, like it's fire effect. And he's like, I swear, I swear, it's like, I'm, I'm not poisoning, like, it's not me. And Jabba's like, oh, you silly dum-dum. Like, <laughs> fire effect like... doesn't mean poison. It means... It's like, it's bad. you're putting bad intentions into the yeah, food, basically. Yeah, right. You yeah, like a, a curse. Like, you're cursing yeah, the food. you're cursing the food. Um, and apparently all Hatti's words derive from food imagery. <laughs> so so when, when you think it means poison, it actually is, like, a, just a curse. Yeah. Um, and Porcellus is dragged off to the dungeons. Yeah. I just wanted to cook beignets. <laughs> For Leia. For Leia. And her, loves- her stupid boyfriend. Yeah. Her stupid, gorgeous boyfriend that he. So, the next tale. Oh, I- this one might have been my favorite just because it was so bananas. I almost, like, can't cope with it. Yeah, so this one was called That's Entertainment, The Tale of Salacious Crumb by mm-hmm. Esther M. Friesner. Yeah, and I don't think she's written... I think this is maybe the only thing she's written for the Star Wars universe. Yeah, like, she is a PhD, though, so she's she's lo- loving, lovingly ripping on that, academia. That, I guess, was my main question, was where did this academia angle come from? Yeah, she's yeah, a P- PhD she, from Yale. Yeah. yeah. Which is very impressive. Yes. So maybe, maybe the culture at Yale is just different from what we're familiar with. <laughs> very different. Um, so yeah, so this story actually does not start out with Salacious Crumb. It starts out with this academic named Melvosh Bloor. Yeah. Is that where we're going to say that? And sure. He, from, he's from Beshka University. Yeah, so he um, is coming to Jabba's palace thinking that... He um, wants to interview Jabba. Yeah, he's a soci... What did they call it? A socio... He is a professor of investigative politico-sociology. Right. So he wants to interview Jabba because he wants to study sort of the, like... The crime boss. Figure. Right, inner workings of, and he has followed another professor. Whose name starts with P? Patan? Was that what Patan it? Patan or Platt or Yeah. Who has gone before him trying to also get a sort of <laughs> academic lens on Right. What's and that going guy on. was never heard from again and right. our, our hero is like, Well, I hope he's dead. Yeah, I right. always hated him. <laughs> He outranked me. He stole my research question. I hope he's been murdered by the very people I am now going to see. I hope they're murderers and they murdered him. The more is I think what, about this, the more. Is what this genius is saying to himself. So yeah, so he goes to Jabba's palace. And he's supposed to meet with some like guy. Like an inside connection guy. Right. Um, and he unfortunately runs into Salacious, Salacious Crumb, Crumb 
And Slash Crumb does not tell him that he's not this guy. He just lets him assume that this right. is his, his uh, you know, his connection. Um, and Salacious Crumb just, like, verbally tortures <laughs> yeah, this guy. Letting this guy pontificate and go yeah. on. So, oh, so maybe we should say, Salacious Crumb, if anyone doesn't know, is the little, like, monkey lizard guy who's Who laughing. Laughs. He's, like, kind of tiny. He sits by Jabba and he just, like, laughs and laughs. That's Salacious Crumb. Yeah, um, So he doesn't no, always speak in, there's like... There's no evidence in the movie that, like, Salacious Crumb can talk. You know, no, like, and it does say, I don't know if it's in this story or one of the ones before, but someone mentioned that Salacious Crumb, like, sometimes doesn't even say, like, real words. Like, sometimes <laughs> he's just, like, speaking gibberish. Yeah. He can talk, but not, you know, not super coherently. Right, um, and I mean, for a lot of this story, he's just, like, repeating phrases yeah, it's that the really guy says creepy. back to him. Like, it has a very creepy feel. To yeah, like, he's just parroting things back, and this guy is so sort of pompous and full of himself that he right. doesn't notice it. Like right. he thinks he's in conversation right. when he's just having individual phrases like mockingly repeated back to right him. Back to him. Um, and so, you know, he assumes that this guy is going to bring him to Jabba and, and Salacious, and Salacious like, Crumb tells him that the last guy was thrown in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. And this guy's like, well, I'm, I'm better at my, I can do this. Yeah. He's, <laughs> I'm, you know, he's a, senior faculty dirtbag yeah. who stole my project because right. I'm junior faculty yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Inside jokes about academia. Dying yeah. reading this thing. <laughs> and we are both academics. So yeah, we're both in the university world and this so, is just like... Um, so yeah, so uh, Salacious Crumb is like, I'll bring you to time. There's nobody closer to Java than me, which is true, pretty yeah. much. Um, and so he brings him to Java. Um and Melvish Bloor kind of gives his intro and is like, I, you know, I respect you. I respect what you do. Like, I want to interview you for, um, you know, for the university. And Jabba just, like, laughs, basically. Yeah. And is like, Salacious Crumb, you did it again. <laughs> basically, <laughs> this is, like, Salacious Crumb's second time playing this joke <laughs> where he brings a professor in with the intention like him thinking that he's gonna get this like great interview with Jabba and then they and kill then, him. <laughs> yeah and then Jabba does interview let him interview him but yeah. then he throws him in the rancor pit at right. the end. Yeah. Um yeah he at one point he says like you use academics to amuse me. Like <laughs> Jabba finds these pompous professors were very entertaining yeah hilarious <laughs> yeah so that's, that's and then that. make a joke about publish or perish yeah and they everyone... mentioned publish or perish a couple of times yeah it's really great <laughs> it was really something it's not so really salacious crumbs tale no it's this it's this, this dumb, dumb <laughs> professor's tale this incredibly stupid investigative political politico sociologist yeah. Yeah. well we can talk more about that. that's a gallatin degree if i ever heard one yeah. <laughs> but, um so next is let us pray p-r-e-y the whippets tale yeah by marina fitch and mark buds i don't know them i feel like the no, name Mar marina fitch is a little familiar is that your next tale because my next tale was ula's um, or maybe I just don't highlight anything, didn't highlight anything in Ula's. Oh. Yeah, Ula's is number four. Okay, so next is Ula. Yeah, A Time to Mourn, A Time to Dance, Ula's Tale, by Kathy Tires, who wrote New Rebellion, which is the other book that 
Brackish shows up. <laughs> oh, Brackish. So we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> she did right. Um, so yeah, Ula's Tale. Ula's Tale takes place in about five minutes because Ula did not last long in Jabba's no. palace. Yeah, there's like a flashback scene. but There's a lengthy like, flashback in it, but Ula's Tale is just that she's there in Jabba's palace. They've yeah. got her in this super uncomfortable costume yeah she talks about like the chains and the like leather straps that she's wearing yeah the thing with like the headpiece that they put on her like she can't hear and see properly yeah yeah she's super uncomfortable and and she was um like almost like a princess on ryloth or something it seemed like yeah it seemed like her father was like a chief yeah on ryloth and um i i got the i mean maybe this is just like carryover from hearing about Ryloth in uh, the Young Jedi Knights, but it seems like like women don't really have a, you know, have a lot of power, but she um, was trained as this, like, amazing dancer, um, and that actually gave her, like, a lot of respect. And um, Yeah, and then she ran away from Ryloth and trained to be, a like, entertainment dancer. Yeah. And sort of knowingly signed on to be enslaved although she didn't know exactly what it was gonna be yeah like she i guess she envisioned sort of like a glamorous like you'll be you know like putting on a show yeah yeah, you'll be like a a a courtesan or something like that like for some very handsome and wealthy you know rogue scoundrel you know like she obviously right envision yeah, you know saw herself as like a, a, a madame pompadour, pompadour yeah, yeah. like that like yeah like yeah yeah and so that's not what not what happened yeah so her and this other twilight who had been training with her um get sold to they get bought by bib fortuna and brought to tatooine and brought to tatooine um and so yeah we we sort of catch up with her um, in Jabba's palace when 3PO and R2 have been brought. And, um, and when, uh, I guess it's when Leia brings in Chewbacca. Yeah. And the chaos kind of happens that she like scurries over to the other side of Jabba yeah. to like hide and hide, she meets yeah. 3PO and, oh yeah, she can't understand like what anyone around her is even saying. Right, but, yeah, but but 3 people can translate. Like, to her. He speaks Twilight. Yeah. And so she tells him that when she first landed, when they first landed on Tatooine and they were sort of realizing that things were not going to be what they anticipated, um, that they briefly got separated from the guy who brought them, they were hiding somewhere, right. and they met Luke. And yeah. Luke tried to save them yeah and she like couldn't really understand him but she sort of knew what he was saying was like come with me um and uh and the girl the other girl did right she did right the other girl did the other girl went with luke um and ula just didn't see that that was a better option was didn't really think didn't really trust luke she was really skeptical yeah and she never met humans before she's distrustful of men she thought she had this good thing going on with getting to jabba and then when the guy came back um ula gave up her own shot at escaping so that that other girl right could could go yeah she could get away with run and yeah and so she's she's and so when um R2 played the hollow of Luke when he comes to Jabba's palace. Um, she was, she recognized him 
and, right. and, and sort of got excited that maybe. Yeah, and 3PO told her, like, oh, you just have to, like, hold tight, you know. Right, because like, he's going to come. You know, yeah, he'll he's... he'll bring you with us then. Like, he'll right, come. He It'll be fine. Yeah. Yes, 3PO is actually very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> like... 3PO in the, the, 3PO is the character who, for me, is the biggest improvement in the books over the movies. Yeah. Because I consistently really enjoy 3PO on the page yeah. in a way that I never did. He's very empathetic and, and like, yeah, he really will like invest in other people's troubles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's super sweet. I, that's the like one note I wrote for this tale. It's like 3PO is really sweet. <laughs> yeah. He was really, he was really sweet. And um, so yeah, so she, you know, she but, sort of um, throughout the story has this like, um, it's a song, right? Lyrics of a song. And she's so. like repeating to herself, um, and and she, like about survival and like why life is like worth living. It's really sad. yeah, <laughs> it's but real, then, it's a real bummer, but hell. But she ultimately like doesn't want to be near Jabba. No, and as does nobody. <laughs> nobody wants to be near, near Jabba, and so like that's what she keeps sort of getting into trouble for is that she like resists getting close to him right she's always like the chain is as like taut as it could be like she yeah. is as far away as possible and so then she does her like sort of perfect amazing yeah dance yeah. she's like you know what i want is to have one perfect dance right. and she's like thinking about luke and thinking about like being free and escaping and she does her perfect dance but then she won't let uh she won't she still won't go close to java willingly and so he drops her in the rancor okay, yeah which is sad, and that's also the very, like, like romantic tragedy kind of sad that would really yes. hook into my imagination yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, because at the beginning she does say that, like, it's, ugh, now I'm going to have to find it, that um, she's sort of talking about this song and this sort of saying, oh, it's here, only a criminal prefers survival to honor, love life too much, and you'll lose the best reason for living. It's definitely, I think, the saddest of the... Of the tale so far. Yeah, and then there was the Whippets tale. The Whippets tale, which I think was my least favorite. I was not. Uh, I'm not sure why. It was possibly like a, I was a little confused, maybe when I read the Whippets tale. Yeah, I'm not so sure. it's called "Let Us Pray: The Whippets Tale" by Marina Fitch and Mark Buds. I don't think that they wrote. No, uh, I mean I feel like I might Wars. have seen. Marina Fitch's name before or maybe I just think that's a good name because I do I think that's a really good yeah that's a great like author that's a great author name it could also just be a good Star Wars name so the Whippet's Tale we meet this Whippet named Jay Jay Quill I sure sure <laughs> okay um and he's the he's lover. a spy he's a he's spy a sp- in Jabba's palace and he's Lady Valerian's lover yeah and he's um working for her gathering but they they staged a falling out so that he could infiltrate Jabba's palace and now right. he's in Jabba's palace and he's supposed to kill Jabba yeah basically supposed to kill Jabba and um, he's been putting poison in the food right he's been asking the, he, he, the he's hired the kitchen boy right so the kitchen boy was the one who was actually poisoning the food the, the food. frogs so right, in the, the frogs, in yeah. return of the jedi you see Jabba eat one of those wriggly yeah. frog things and yeah. The kitchen boy was... The kitchen boy was poisoning those, which yeah. is very similar to how Jabba and Juliet arranged for yeah. Arak to be taken down. Yeah. there's a lot of poisoning in the, <laughs> in the universe. Um, they're like a Renaissance Italian yeah. kind of 
so yeah, so um, he's like kind of hanging out. I feel like this is him just like hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> like he's just sort of going around and somebody's blackmailing him. Somebody knows that he's a spy. Right, and he like can't figure out. And then like a droid brings him a tip that like, oh, you know, meet on the roof and I'll tell you who's blackmailing. Not actually the droid, but the droid's the messenger. Right, And I'll tell you who's blackmailing you. The yeah. whippet just sort of like gets increasingly paranoid. Oh, yeah, and the droid says that, like, you'll know by what the person's wearing. Yeah, that they're who's... on your side. Right. And he, the whip, and whippets apparently also have, like, just insane bloodlust going yes. all the time. Because he just, just wants to, like, murder. Murder people. <laughs> yeah. And eventually he murders one of the Boromar monks that's hanging around. Yeah, and, like, the, the, I don't think we get a monk tail, but the, Boromar monks hang over this. Yeah, they're a presence. So yeah, they, they designed the entire... Yeah, it's like they built this fortress, that this space was built as a monastery. Right. And then Jabba just, like, Took moved it. in <laughs> and started using it as his palace. Yeah. And the Boromar... And, like, he didn't, like, attack the Boromar monks, and they didn't do anything to fight back. Yeah. They're just, like, coexisting in this space. Yeah. Now. And they're the only ones that actually, like, know, like, every nook and cranny of this Right. It's space. a very, like, yeah. labyrinthine yeah. space. Um, so, yeah, so he... Oh, God. <laughs> this tale did not stick with me. So, he, he kills a Bormer monk. Who cares? <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, yeah, he kills a monk. I don't... He, he doesn't do anything for me. Tale of Mara Jade. Sleight of hand. Which is just an insane... Let's put Mara Jade in the story. Yeah, no, yeah, that, yeah. So I, I don't really remember the trajectory of this. We do at some point find out that Mara Jade was at Jabba's palace. I don't know if that's in, it must be in a Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. Um. So she's there on the behest of the Emperor. Right. Who, behind the back of Vader, is like, I gotta kill this Luke Skywalker. Yeah, like, Vader is too, too into, into the Skywalker thing. Yeah. He made that, we'll kill the Emperor and rule the galaxy together. He says he didn't mean it, but I think he kind of meant it, so. Yeah. So I, I really want this guy gone. Let's just and nip, tells, this, nip this right in the bud. Yeah, Marjade's like, you know, he's like, be careful. Like, we saw him fight on Bespin, and, like, he's pretty good. Yeah, like, don't underestimate him. Yeah. Um... And so she poses as a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and gets hired. Because apparently not, like, there's there's the one dancer who's, like, the chained to Jabba enslaved dancer. But then there are other dancers who just come in on, like, you know, equity work or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, like Yarna, Yarna I, I think, is in Ula's story, who's the dancer with, like, the ton of boobs <laughs> that yeah. we see in Jabba's palace. Um she seems to have a bit more freedom than yeah, like others. Yeah, like working a job. Or... Yeah, there and there are other dancers that are just like hanging out. Yeah, you know. So yeah, so Mara Jade's just in disguise, um, trying to be in position to kill Luke. Yeah, and but she gets like she sees she's there when Luke comes in and she's gonna grab a blaster to shoot him, but then. Someone who the woman who's like the dancer coordinator, yeah, thinks that she's trying to grab a blaster to kill Jabba, right, and sort of marches her off, and she loses her opportunity, right, to kill Luke, and she gets turned around in the tunnels, and right, the Emperor's yeah. very disappointed in her, yeah, and that's Marjane's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 
kind of a disappointing introduction to maybe the most important expanded universe yeah. character we have. Um, and it does feel like that one more, I think, than any other tale felt like, you know, round peg square hole. Like Yeah, it didn't really trying to stuff it in. Come in. Um, and then the last one we read for this episode was... Ooh, was um, quite a tale. <laughs> What's the, I forget what the title of that tale And was. then there were some. And then there were some, the Gamorrean Guards tale. Um, by William F. Wu. Who was also not a Star Wars writer. Um, I think that's the only thing. Um, so this is about the Gamorrean God Gartog. Yeah, so it turned, so it can't, it can't be that, but essentially, apparently everyone in Jabba's palace thinks the Gamorrean guards are like crazy stupid, but apparently only Gartog is crazy yeah. stupid. I think none of them are particularly genius. Right. But but Gartog is... is I mean, Gartog, like, doesn't speak in sentences. Yeah, Gartog... doesn't, yeah they, the other, one of the other Gamorrean guards keeps saying, like, like speak in full sentences. <laughs> Just talk like This is normal. why everyone thinks we're dumb. Yeah, um, and uh, he's, so he's the one, this is, I think, the tale that was the most sort of intertwined with the others, that he ended up being the guard who carried off both the kitchen boy's body, the whippid's body, and the Bormer monk's Mom's body. body. Um, and he, he really, really wants to go on the bar. He really barge. wants to get to go on sail barge duty when Jabba yeah. goes out on his sail right. barge. He always That's gets, his, like, the worst. big goal. Yeah, the worst sort of, like, assignments. And he wants to leave the palace and go on the sail barge. And um, he's trying to be as helpful as possible. Right. So he thinks that if he solves these murders, that will really impress the bosses. And he'll get to go on the sail barge. So he's basically thinks himself it's like a Sherlock. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He is just... Walking around the hallways, maybe for days, without yeah, with... sleep, carrying decomposing corpses, like corpses. rapidly decomposing in the heat, yeah. eyeballs oozing out of the sockets, <laughs> dripping liquids everywhere. It's real gross. Corpses. Everyone's like shrinking away from him because of the smell. Yeah, but no one's really doing anything. Everyone's like, you know, maybe you should put down the bodies. And he's like, nope. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> go take the body somewhere else right and um, but he like, like does not want to and then he eventually starts like talking he starts talking to the bodies to the bodies especially the kitchen boy he seems to he really bonds with the kitchen boy yeah um, and at and the so... end he doesn't get to go on the sail barge and he just yeah. like sits the dead bodies down and is like so what do you guys want to do and that's yeah but the it's end. the first time he's spoken a complete yeah sentence um and this is okay so this is he mentions the snot vampire called <laughs> Danik Jericho, who yeah. is the assassin. Um, right. And so the assassin's tale comes, I think, much, I think it's probably one of the later last uh, stories that we'll read, but that is the story that scared the bejesus. So Danik Jericho, he, we see him in the Mos Eisley Cantina in yeah, so, A New Hope. So I, did, I didn't read the story, um, although it has all come back to me, but I looked at the author who wrote that story. I think her, her name is Jennifer Robson, and she wrote um, a story for the Tales of Mos Eisley Cantina that he appears in. And okay. so, and that is his first appearance. So apparently, this actually comes after that set of tales, which I always thought that this one was first. Um, but we will see him 
we will we will visit the snot bear. So he really just like captured her imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah I and, mean he is. And the Gaborian guard thinks that Danic Jericho is a snot vampire. And that will be explained. <laughs> <laughs> it's really gross and terrifying. Um, I, I I did highlight this since mm-hmm. that was our last tome. Might as well take a deeper dive of yeah. when Gartog brings his like theory, his solving yeah. of the the crimes <laughs> to his boss. Um, he says, you wanted to kill Akbaz, the weak way sail barge captain, because he might have invited me on board himself. What? Or dog blinked blankly. You didn't kill him. Instead, Porcellus, the cook, put him to sleep with special sleeping recipes on the Plastifoam appetizer. Plastifoam? Which Gartog has been eating this whole time. Yeah. That's, that's packing material, not an appetizer. Why? Not finished, Gartog declared, <laughs> holding his head high. He nodded toward the kitchen boy. Kitchen boy was friend of Ethan Mon. Yeah? So? I know, because I, he was found near Ethan Mon's quarters. But what about it? Bree said so. What does that have to do with anything? Ortog <laughs> demanded. Conspiracy. Go on, get to the point, Ortog glared angrily. So Malakili, the Rancor Keeper, needs no extra Rancor food. (laughs) Kartog, who killed these people you're carrying? I mean, it goes on and on like that. He also doesn't think they're dead. No, he thinks the kitchen boy is dead, but he doesn't think that the monk is dead because the Whippet told him... Yeah, anything you tell him, he believes. A hundred percent. The one that told him that he was meditating, so he believes yeah. that. And then uh, Gartog just announces that the snot vampire did it. Right. And is like, go sail barge? Yeah. And they ask him, why do you think Derek Janico killed this kitchen boy? No evidence. There is no evidence. And snot vampire never leaves evidence, so he must be guilty. <laughs> And then they tell him to go away. Yeah, you're not going to sail barge, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good, right? That means Gartog is going to yeah, be, be okay. okay. Yeah, he'll sit with the he, he gets to have body. tea parties with dead bodies for the rest of as long as he wants. There's a lot of, like, slime and ooze in these tales because in the... In the Salacious Crumb Tale, when Melvish is first, like, walking through the, like, lower areas of Jabba's Palace, he, like, steps in goo. Yeah. And there's, like, eyeballs. Yeah, there's just a bunch of, like, nastiness. Yeah, like, it's just, there's a lot of gross. <laughs> I really did sort of, like, they really dug into the, the like, the smells and the, the hot and the, like, yeah. yeah, like, just, like, sweating and grossness. Like, nobody cleans Jabba's palace. And nobody takes a shower. No. And it's just a nightmare. The description of Malakili, the Rancor Keeper's body, (gasps) really fascinating. (sighs) And, like, such a weird but, like, oh, that makes sense, explanation as to, like, why he's wearing a loincloth and why he looks... He polishes his paunch for special occasions. Yes! Oh my god, that was bananas. I forgot about that. Yeah, he says that he, like, when he was going to go, like, present himself to... Yeah, he had washed his bare chest and polished his paunch to be presentable. Yeah, so he... Like, when he worked at the circus, he was a star. He was, like... Yeah. 
the star of this. He was basically like the ringmaster. Right. Um, and he, you know, was working with monsters, these like giant creatures. And he was very, he had great upper body. Like he was doing upper body all the time. And yeah. since sort of falling away from that, he's like gained a bit of weight. He's still pretty like strong. Yeah, but he's And he's he still friendly. wears his loincloth. Yeah. And he's friendly with Porcella, so he's, he's getting friendly, snacks. Right. He's got food. But like, yeah, there's a lot of description of like bodies and how hot it was and yeah, the and smells like, and but always about sort of like troubled in some way. No one yeah. looks good in Jabba's yeah. palace. Yeah, no. People's like people are just like scarred and pockmarked. Yeah. And, and if if you're good looking, you're probably not gonna last. No. Very long. You can't you can't make it long. Yeah. And that was I guess the I mean, it's not too big a deal, but the Circus Horrificus I sort of noted as yet another example of very old fashioned entertainment culture. Yes. In Star, in Star Wars, Wars. Yeah. of like we have a circus of freaks you can come see, which yeah, is... it reminds me a little bit of um, the Han Solo trilogy with oh my god, what was his girlfriend's name? Zaviria. Yeah, her like magician tour. Yeah, <laughs> show like there seems to the entertainment in Star Wars seems to be very like. But late even, 19th, even, like, early 20th century. traveling magician, like, you still get some of those. Like, yeah, yeah, sir, yeah. It's, but yeah, someone is just something... like, I put a big monster in a cage. Look at it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's very interesting. Um, and that tale also gave us a little, just a little Susan taste of Jawas <gasps> and their culture. They can smell disappointment. <laughs> yeah. They, like, ooze. Dis- or, no, they can't. It's something it's not is that when they're disappointed, they like an odor. Like they apparently have a like apparently they communicate their emotional state completely by pheromones because yeah, they also too. have a smell for fear and a smell for like uncertainty. Yeah, and... yeah I that was an interesting. So I think the Rancor Keepers tale is maybe the most the longest one, and kind of that one kind of has like chapter like yeah, it's like little sectioned. chapters. Um, yeah, and I thought it was really interesting that they started with the Jawas because they don't really come up. No, but I guess that's just sort of how things arrive on Tatooine, Tatooine and Star yeah. Wars. Like, they crash and Jawas show up. Yeah, and, and they talk about how the Jawas, like, there. really hope that there's nobody alive in there because they're not going to try to keep them alive. No, like, the Jawas don't want to have to deal with you. Yeah, they, like, make a joke about Jawa medical service. It's, like, pretty terrible because... They don't want to have to deal with you thinking it's still your ship now that right, they... Right, yeah. They're just going to let you die. Yeah, and they also seem to have a pretty involved, like, family structure because they say... Oh, like, yeah. The head guy says that he sends somebody else in, and he's like, oh, it's my third sister's fifth son by her primary mate. Yeah. So, yeah, like, they have, like... Very a very complicated... Um, it's also the Rancor's tale that we see Bib Fortuna become the major domo. Yeah. Um... That Bib Fortuna and the Corellian guy go in on this Rancor yeah. <laughs> plus Keeper gift together. <laughs> and Jawa says, like, oh, well, one of you can be my major domo and one of you get something even better. Right. And Bib Fortuna and... jumps right on that major domo thing. Yeah, because he knows that. He sees which way the wind is blowing. Yeah. And, and something better is you get thrown in the Rancor. You get you get to be the first person fed to the Rancor. rancor. I'll remember yeah, so you forever. Bib Fortuna. I mean, I guess the the Rancor has been there maybe a year or two. Maybe, but it doesn't feel very long. No, Bib Fortuna has not been in that position 
Right, and we don't very, see very Bim, we don't see Bim Fortuna in the Han Solo trilogy. Yeah, so yeah, that was And in the Han Solo trilogy, Jabba has only just uh right. settled. Like so right. when Han and Luke first meet, Jabba has really only just moved full time to yeah. Tatooine. Oh, that was in the Mara J tale. That I don't know if that was an inside joke or not, where she talks about she's talking to somebody about Jabba. And they mentioned that, like, Jabba had sent someone to represent him, and it was, like, a man. Yeah. I was wondering if that was a reference to them shooting. Oh, yeah. And, so, oh, my gosh, I bet it was. Yeah, because ori- this is before the special edition came out, but in the original trilogy, there's a deleted scene where Han meets Jabba, and it's this, like... A dude in a furry coat. Yeah, like, a very large guy in a furry coat. And that's the scene that they use to like recut Jabba. In. Right. They, they that's put, the Han, my boogie. Yeah. <laughs> that outside the Millennium Falcon. Right. Like, why did um, you kill poor Greedo? Yeah. So I was wondering if that was like a reference to like. That could be. I would. Maybe I should go back and like read the description of that guy to see. Yeah. If I don't he looks... think that it really gave like a too detailed a description. But it like could easily be that like that's the. Yeah. Because they mentioned, like, oh, like, yeah, I met Jabba, and he was, like, a guy. And they're, like, oh, yeah, like, he sends people out to just, like, be Yeah, him. he's got a guy that he, like, sends out yeah. as him. Um, which I thought was kind of funny. That is hilarious, um, actually. I didn't pick up on that. Um, but, like, I think it's also maybe we're talking about this on just on, like, the level of form. Because... Yeah, I think so. It's, like, on the one hand, it is a short story collection, but... It is, in other ways, just, like, a collaboratively written novel because it is telling one story. Larger story. Yeah. I was really impressed by the way that they were interwoven. Yeah. Um, Because I I didn't really remember that going into this, how, you know, I knew that, like, obviously they were related because it's all taking place in the same location, but I didn't realize, like, how deeply connected... Yeah, I expected them to stand alone much, much more. I mean, I really, I expected them all to be about sort of like what the Mara Jade story is, right. where you just sort of like have a character, you drop them in, and you look at them for a minute, and then you pull right. back out. And that's out. the one that kind of, I mean, the Whippet still, I think, is maybe a little incoherent, but like, that's the one I think that works the least, yeah. is Mara Jade's tale, because it doesn't. Right, and well, and I think in the, these do so well by that they're all focused on something or someone that you would remember seeing from the movie but that you wouldn't have thought to you wouldn't have put a lot of imagination into right you wouldn't take a second look so like every every story is just like opening up this world and making it feel so lived in and so yeah in a way that it never did before yeah and i mean what it does, I think, so much more successfully than Young Jedi Knight <laughs> is that, like, even though these stories seem, like, so specific and so focused on, like, a single, like, like character, like you said, that, like, you wouldn't even take a second look at, right, in the visuals of the film, these stories make this world seem huge. Yeah. Like, really big. Right, that all these people have, like, their own, like, every 
every crazy creature person in Jabba's palace has their own thing. Like, and I, that's something I was thinking of whenever I was reading it is like that these stories capture so well is we all feel like we're the hero right, of our own story, story right? Yeah. Like we all feel like the main character in right. the movie that we imagine our lives to be or the novel or whatever we are. Like we all feel like the hero in our own story. Right. And here's just like a collection of people who are not the hero at all, but like, they don't know that they don't right. know that they're like tertiary characters, you know, like maybe a student that I taught last semester is going to be the president one day. And in like, right. I'm just like a supporting character, right. in, okay. like this amazing movie that is his life, but that's not how right. it feels to me, you know? Right. Right. And I think, the book really does succeed at pushing in a way that I think Young Jeanette doesn't do and that the Han Solo trilogy does do is like pushing our main characters like way in the background. Right. They're very, very peripheral. That like we do see Leia in Porcellus' story. We see Han at some point. We see 3PO in R2. We see Luke. We see all of them. The only one we haven't really seen is Lando, I guess. Right. And I haven't had a run in with Lando. This makes me... Uh, have a bajillion more questions about what Lando's been up to working in Jabba's Palace. I don't know if he, he might show up in, in one of the other stories. I can't remember. but um, Because, holy God, this is a hellhole. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure Lando was making phone calls being like, you have to get... There's a snot vampire, and I'm not joking. Can I please come home? <laughs> and Leia's like, no, I'll be there soon. Like, just hold out. Oh, you'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but it does not... It does... I think you're right that these characters see themselves as the main characters of their lives, of their stories. And so when Luke and Leia and Chewie show up, it's like not a big, they're just like, yeah, they're just something that's going on. Right. Yeah. It's it. They're no, they don't have a reason to invest in Leia any more than they did in Ula. Right. The only one who was invested in Ula was Ula and Tokyo a little, a little. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, Crazy stuff's happening in Jabba's Palace all the time. Like, you know, until Luke beats the Rancor, like, there's nothing that different about this day. Yeah, no, these stories are so original for the most part, more original than I anticipated. And obviously some are better than others. Um, I mean, the Gamorrean Guard's tale was sort of almost like a dark horror, like a dark comedy horror Yeah, they are playing with genre and, and... For sure, the Assassin's Tale is, like, a full-on horror story. But, like, these are... Some of them are very, like... Yeah, the Gamorrean Guard's Tale is, like, a dark comedy. Like, yeah. very... Like a like a War of the Roses or a Tucker yeah. and Dale versus Evil kind of... Yes. Yeah, like a, a, you know, what we do in the shadows kind of, like... Yeah. Like, um, taking something very twisted and, and sort of finding the humor in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Salacious Crumb Tale made my skin crawl in a way that, like... It was so... Like, I actually had a difficult time reading The Salacious Crumb Tale. <laughs> Not because it wasn't good, but I was just like, oh, my God. Like, it's gross and creepy. creepy. It was very unnerving. And yeah, it's like a psychological thrill. Like, if Salacious Crumb was, like, a Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Yeah, or it felt sort of like a, it had a little bit of like a Twilight Zone feeling to it almost because you have this guy being, he's very much like hoisted on his own petard. Right, and he has no idea what's going on. Yeah, like he thinks it's one thing and then it's flipped around. Yeah, Um, and you're just like waiting for something 
terrible to happen. And, and maybe, you know nothing about Salacious. Like, this is not a backstory for Salacious Crumb. No, it doesn't give you anything about Salacious. This is just, like, what Salacious Crumb is doing in his downtime, I guess. Yeah, which I guess is his backstory. Like, this is just who he is. It's <laughs> always been this. <laughs> but, like, maybe that's another thing that these, these stories set, like, the tone for Jabba's Palace in a way that the movie can't fully set the tone right. for Jabba's Palace. That in the movie, I mean, obviously, you know, you're maybe a little worried about your main characters, but it is the beginning of the movie. But, like, in right, the movie, it's, like, kind of goofy, kind of silly. Like, yeah. yeah, like, obviously these people are bad, but they're bad in, like, a Star Wars kind of way. Yeah. And because none of these side characters are real people to you, you're not that worried about anything right, happening. But, right. like, the feeling of of dread, of fear, of precarity, of all yeah. of that is, like much more infused here and like all of the plots within plots and yeah yeah and just like how often people are being killed and yeah like there's not a story where someone survives like you know or I'm, there's not a story where there isn't death yeah i don't think there's any story where no there's no dies. happy ending yeah in any of these tales yeah and um, i mean like I guess Porcellus might end up being okay because they're Maybe. taking, they're taking yeah. him off to jail, but then they're like, all right, take him to jail and we'll go to the sail barge and we'll kill him when we get back. And we know no one's coming back from the sail barge. Right. So, so he just dies in prison. Maybe, maybe the Bora monks like, are just like, whoop, they're gone. <laughs> taken <laughs> over again. Yeah, maybe a monk will let him out and he can cook for the monks. <laughs> um, it does make the whole uh, children's book about Han telling the Bora <laughs> Monk story. I mean, it doesn't make it like that much more sense, but all right. Yeah, like everything else crazy is happening. Yeah. Here. Um. Well. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Yeah, but I mean, so I, I guess I also I thought this was going to be a much more sort of like scattershot collection of short stories, yeah. like you know that oh here's a story about you know when when this happened five years ago and here's a story when this happened last, like, but they're all concentrated around yes, the moment when event. our heroes arrive at Java's palace. So here yeah. is like a very thorough, like through reading of what was happening with everyone, obviously not everyone, but what was happening with all these people right, like, in Java's palace. Yeah. Like constellated. I, when I, Luke showed up. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get an answer to this unless we can interview somebody who's <laughs> written these. But I really want to know how this was conceived and how it was written. It seems like it would be was... incredibly difficult. Yeah, which makes the success of these stories as individual stories, like, really impressive. Because not only do you have seven, 19, I think it's 19 different stories, but you have co-authors on some of those stories. There are over 20 people writing yeah, these like, stories. It seems... It seems like a just mind-boggling undertaking, especially if you're t doing this in the 90s when, like, yeah. a lot of people might not even be, like, on email yet. Or right. Yeah, if they, how are you... Or if they are on email, you still have to, like, go to your computer and dial up modem your way in to yeah. get your email. It's not just pinging on your phone. You can't have these, like, quick snap-in, back-and-forth conversations. Like, are you just all in a room with typewriters typing the tales from Java's Palace together? Like, are you, like, given like a, a character to write about and then sort of given the outline of what their 
that can't be it because some no, of the story, like that's too that's too Esther prescriptive. Fr- Friesner did not was not told to write, to write that. There's that. <laughs> she wrote that. Like, There's no, or it could be that like, so it could be that like they said, "Here's your character," right? And, it, and it, like Crumb. I could see they gave her Salacious Crumb, and she's like, "Well, I can work with that." Salacious <laughs> Crumb is, I mean, and you see Salacious Crumb on screen, he. Seems like an unhinged character, for <laughs> yeah. sure. And, and so it could be that everyone like got their character, and maybe Kevin J. Anderson had sort of come up with a larger like through yeah. line, like here's what's going on. But that still seems like so much to work because with. Because it's and, so detailed. And like, these, some of these stories seem very tightly intertwined. Like Malik Healy shows up in a lot of stories. It feels yeah. like yeah, in the Whippet's Tale and in the. He's definitely in the whip. He and in the in Porcellus's Porcellus tale. tale. Yeah, um, he's like a pretty significant part in both of those. Yeah, um, yeah, and the Gamorian guard tale linking up with. Yeah, that Gamorian guard comes out in and out of almost everybody's right. story, and he doesn't get named until until his tale. Yeah, until his tale. Um, right, and you could almost think that that Gamorian that. Like, at first I thought, oh, it's multiple Gamorrean guards. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. It was yeah, it turns out it's Gamorrean, the same one. There's just this one Gamorrean guard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's... Who I was, maybe... like, really worried about. Like, as an adult woman, that's the story where my heart goes out to someone the most. It's like, yeah. I really want to, yeah, someone I to take care of this care Gamorrean of I, guard. Yeah. At one point I wrote, oh, no, guard talk. I was <laughs> like, please, don't let him die. I, was, yeah. I mean, it was a gross, weird ending, but I was like, at least he's... He's alive. I know. I was um, really rooting for Garthog in a way that I didn't know someone could get me invested in a Gamorrean, which is God. exactly like that's what, what I want should be. Star Wars novels to do. You know, that's, yeah. And I guess that is sort of the ongoing thing with like loving Star Wars and getting new Star Wars material. Like, don't do what I think I want you to do. Right. Like, do what I would what- never have thought. Right. What or I would never have want. asked you to do. Like, you know, do. like, and, and I don't know. I'm putting a lot onto the <laughs> Salacious Crumb story. But that seems like a story that's written by someone who's just like, I'm just going to write whatever I want. Yeah. Like, I'm in academia. Like, obviously, like she said, herself, like, I'm in academia. Like, I'm curious about how what academia would look like in Star Wars. In Star Wars. And that's what I'm going to do. Here's my imagined right. scenario. Right. And that's, I think, why maybe the... They have Mar- tenure in the Star Wars. Yeah, they talk about, like, yeah, he's like, no, I'm never going to, he says, like, oh, he could almost taste his tenure. tenure. <laughs> yeah. At one point, he, when he's, like, getting an interview job, he's like, oh, he could taste his tenure now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very funny and very specific, and I think that's why the tale of Mar Jade maybe doesn't, worse the least, because that's the one that has the most pressure yeah. on it, in the sense that, like, even though we, as a podcast, have not read um, the Thrawn trilogy yet that is basically what started this whole expanded universe and to put that big of a character even though she's not in the movies you know she has now become a sort of like legendary figure right you sort of expect no she's something. sort of she has that same kind of burden yeah. that the the solo Skywalkers have right and if end. you didn't know who Mara Jade was, that story would fall completely yeah. no, flat. That, like, that story know. is based completely on you wanting to know more about Mara Jade. Right. And basically nothing happens. It's just like she fails to yeah, kill she, Luke. <laughs> she doesn't get to kill Luke. She's around um, for a little while. And so, yeah, I think the stories that work 
the and most. And I guess that stuff. also is an explanation of why she's not around. Right. When, with the second Death Star. Cause right. When things are going down. Yeah. She's still stuck back on Tatooine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm still excited to get more into the Marjade of it all because she shows up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's crazy that we haven't had her because yeah. she's a massive to, to character. To listen to this podcast for 20 episodes, you think <laughs> that Marjade is not really all that important, but she's a huge character. Um, yeah. And sort of, yeah, I just loved the building out of, of those scenes in the movie. And, and it did seem like these authors were taking the approach of like, I'm not, they didn't seem so concerned with the um, intertwining of other, other than the Mara Jade story, the intertwining of other expanded universe stuff. Right. In a way that like Young Jedi Knights, and even I think the Soul Trilogy does this successfully, but like, you know, bringing in, you know, the Thules or like, you know, it's all contained in Jabba's palace. And I think that is what makes, I mean, it sort of is a bucket or a bucket, a bottle episode. A bucket episode. <laughs> it's just a bucket, which I guess in These Jabba's palace. These people need a bucket. They need lots of buckets. Yeah. They need they to buckets mop up cleaning the mini, the mini <laughs> fluids that are around. Yeah. It's like a bottle episode. Yeah. No, and... The fact that Which is it, what we wanted. <laughs> well, and the fact that it doesn't connect to anything else is what makes it make the world feel bigger. Right. Like the more right. everyone knows each other, the more anyone's right. heard of each other. Right. Like, and the idea that like these characters don't give a crap. Like they don't know who Leia is. No. Like even Mara Jade is like, who's that lady? Like yeah. she doesn't know who Leia is. <laughs> that like these characters don't recognize those heroes. They don't. It, they mean nothing to them. There's no talk of Jedi other than, like, in relationship to Luke, right? right? But it's not like, oh, we've heard about the Jedi. Like, it's just, yeah, they're just living their lives. Jabba's Palace is a place where, like, really weird stuff happens all the time. And this oh, is not time. that weird. <laughs> Jabba <laughs> has really fallen to pieces without Jelly Oh, Jillian. my God. I was also thinking that, that, like, from where we left him... And although he was starting to go a little, he was where we where we left him um, in the Han Solo trilogy to now. He has like Jillian. This would never have happened. No. Under, but I mean, like I also I feel like in this situation, like Jabba is uh, he's like making himself vulnerable to so many people, and I felt like in the Han Solo trilogy, it seemed like the huts kept their worlds much more like contained and controlled yes. than Jabba is at this yeah. point. Um, yeah, he he does seem to be sort of like completely falling apart. I, I think that I'm hoping that the introduction of the Lady Valerian stuff maybe plays on that. Like the fact that there is a competing crime lord in Mos Eisley. Yeah, and it's not Black Sun. It's, not, it's just like a lady who runs a casino. Right. Maybe you think that like, oh, Jabba, like you're not doing yeah. so great if you're letting this Yeah, like, like go the on. scale of what he's dealing with has right. just collapsed. So small. I mean, it seems like he's gotten to the point now where he can't like really move right yeah. anymore. What we know about Hot Talk. Right. <laughs> it's time for an episode of Hot Talk. Back to Hot Talk. That <laughs> um, he like can't like, he just literally sits there. They, like, take a siesta. He wakes yeah. up. Like, he's not moving. He's not traveling. He's yeah, not he going anywhere. Yeah, he doesn't move at all. Everyone just, like, 
lays down and sleeps where they are, which we see right. that. In right, we see that, yeah. Return and that's Jedi. basically what happens every day. Like, it gets to a point where it's too hot and everyone's just like, we gotta go sleep. <laughs> um, that he's just incapable of actually yeah. like, doing anything other than sitting at Jabba's palace and, like, coordinating stuff, like, within his vicinity. But he's not traveling around, like... No, but I mean, like, and even, like, what he's interested in is so yeah. much pettier you know i mean with yeah. with Jilliac, it was you know we're gonna take over this business and we're gonna get this interest right. like you there's no way that um i mean i guess they kind of ruined alicia for everybody at the end of the han solo trilogy but like right. they don't have any big schemes like that level no. going and he's on not, i mean at least was, i mean i guess we don't really know but we don't get the sense that he's in contact with like other huts no and there's... he sort of maybe walled himself off and it's just like all right this tattooing is my like domain and that's it and I'm not going to deal with anything else and and it's also you know like I think Porcellus maybe is the one who's like I don't really get like the (laughs) any of this like his interest in women like it's all very sort of like yeah excess for the sake of excess and nobody really knows like what he's getting yeah like what what do you actually enjoy what are you into right like it seems that he's just gotten I wonder if this is like what his father or what his parent Zorba the Hutt oh, maybe. Yeah, was Zorba. like because we know that like the hut presence on Tatooine goes way back because yes. we see we see them in um Phantom Menace at the pod races yeah. they all have to like bow to yeah it's like queen the... waving <laughs> and I assume that that's Zorba um no it's John is it Zorba I think it's Zorba I... Oh no, I guess that is Jabba, okay. But the and is that Bib Fortuna? It looks like Bib Fortuna, so okay, obviously. So this is Red. This, is, this is just a different Yeah. Just a different it's, But there is another thing. hut back there. I wonder if that's Jillian. Oh maybe. Maybe it's just a no, that is Bib Fortuna. I'm like, maybe it's just a different Twilight, but it looks a lot like Bib Fortuna. Definitely Bib Fortuna. Um, yeah. Well, well, I mean, it, it, it is clear. I, I think going into these, which may be obvious by, like, my surprise <laughs> throughout this whole podcasting adventure, but I thought that they had sort of solidified the expanded universe with the prequels, and it seems like that is not at all yeah. <laughs> the case. Um, that they really, like, just ignored a lot of what happened in the expanded universe. Yeah, I think, and I would have to go back and verify this, I don't know, but I read somewhere recently that at the time that they, maybe it was at the time that they were making the prequels, I'm not sure, but that at some point George Lucas said, like, oh no, like, the expanded universe, that's, like, that's not, that's nothing, that's not official to me, like, that, that's never been canon, that's, you know... That's what could be. That's like alternate. That's like an alternate universe where all these right. books take place. It's not the real. The real Star Wars universe is only what's on screen. Um, right. Okay, that makes sense. Which is fine by me. Right. Whatever. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so like it's licensed, but not. Right. That it's not. For it Luke, it's not canon. It was never like canon to him. Right. Um, um. But of course, Star Wars is also one of those things where people who consume it bring a higher level of investment than people who right, who are writing create it right and developing it yeah um, it is true and that doesn't you know i think we're both 
of the mindset that like that doesn't take away from these stories and it doesn't no none of it's it's all fiction right right it's all none of it is more real than than anything else right because it's Um, all pretend right and so if this version of Jabba's Palace is not what like Lucas intended it's fine but it like that's the thing with the expanded universe. It's like you take what augments the movie experience for you and you leave right. behind what diminishes it. It doesn't work. Right. And that's fine. I will kick in my head. I will edit the original works if I so choose. Right. In, yeah, right. in my version of Harry Potter, Fred Weasley is not killed at the Battle right. of Hogwarts. Yeah. I just 100% reject that. I avert my eyes in that scene in the movie. Right. He's away on vacation. Skip those pages in the book. He gets hurt and he's Fine. fine. He's just <laughs> totally fine. fine. <laughs> oh, and then, just, but yeah, don't don't argue with me about it. like. Oh no, Fred Re- Fred Weasley really died. It's like, oh no, Fred Weasley never really anything because right, he's yeah. pretend. <laughs> he's a fictional character. I can yeah. pretend about him whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sure, the same sure. with with Legends or yeah. EU or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Yeah. I mean, I know it's now Legends, but I'm having a hard time <laughs> referring to it as anything except Expanded Universe. Yeah, no, I mean, I was following the whole uh, sort of debacle with um, Kelly Marie Tran oh, God. on uh, Twitter. So yeah. apparently there are some uh, contingent of people who tweet or do whatever under the hashtag give us legends who were like yeah we're so proud of ourselves for driving her off social media because oh my of god blah, blah. i haven't like it all sounds so horrible and that i like i've read like a couple headlines but i've not delved it was just gross i mean truthfully the best part of it was ryan johnson tweet supporting her mark hamill yeah, supporting mark hamill, her yeah. and a lot of people started posting like this really amazing like fan art to show support Aww. for her so there's a lot of like fan art of her character you know i just want to give like a virtual hug to her she seems delightful she seems like the sweet yeah we follow our elephants of Daraldron. plug instagram follows her <laughs> and she just seems like the sweetest loveliest human being and so generous to fans and it's really horrible that people yeah well a the idea that you would ever give somebody a hard time because something happened in a fictional world that you disagree right, that you with. Didn't like, yeah. Like, Stephen King wrote a novel about that, and right. you, you were not the hero of it. Like, right. No. <laughs> no. And you never will be. Like, yeah, you don't want to be. That's not a win situation. You don't want to be that. That's not yeah. balanced. Like, there have been movies and TV shows that I didn't like, that I hated, some bad choices in shows that I loved, and yeah. I made and fun of them, I bitched about them to my friends, and I lived right. a full life. <laughs> right, right, and you didn't, you know take it out on somebody who didn't I didn't try to deserve. find the actors of all people right, who, right of all right uh, or yeah, anybody it's... else but like it's just bananas to me and it's also bananas to me that anyone and this is a little off topic for Java's Palace but it's on my mind because I was looking at that yeah. stuff but that anyone under the guise of being like a quote-unquote real fan right. would be harassing we'll of the people who are making the current movies because you have some sort of like nostalgic view of the past movies like did you watch the holiday special like right. they made that then too you know like right. yeah. did you like, watch it was not all watch the indoor movies with that little blonde kid and Wilford yeah. Brimley like 
I forgot <laughs> they made those too the drawing yeah. cartoons oh, I tried to boy. watch those ones on like a VHS from Blockbuster it was like pulling teeth and I would watch yeah. Care Bears cartoons yeah. and I loved Star Wars <laughs> so like don't come to me with your ruined Johnson BS and act like Kathleen Kennedy is the devil because they were making yeah. horrific Star Big Wars yeah. the whole yeah. time and I, yeah, I just like there was never a time when Star Wars was pure. It was always to make money. It was right. always crazy. Like right. you take the it best. It was never of it. perfect. Like and you know there's so many originals that does not hold up. Like you know. But the idea of Star Wars is some sort of like sacred oral folk tradition or something yeah, like right. that. It's just like the craziest <laughs> thing. Like yeah, he's yeah it's <laughs> the sacred text. It's the sacred to their Luke. <laughs> Don't be Luke. Don't be that guy. <laughs> Luke's got his strengths, but don't. When it comes to sac- when it comes to texts, don't be right. a Luke. They're like Luke because they're like all up in arms with the sacred text, but it's did like, not have you read the them? Text. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> be like, you gotta be Yoda. Be like, have you read them? They were not page turners. They were not. Not all of them. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. some good stuff. There's some bad stuff. The new characters have what they need. Um, yeah. 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 It's just yeah, and it you know I think as female Star Wars fans and looking at the sort of like plethora of female Star Wars characters that we're now getting in these newer films, like, you know, different types of characters. Um, The diversity of these characters to me is just so amazing and something that like, I wish I was 11 now. And it, I'm like getting choked up. It makes me really sad that like how the pushback on that and thinking like if I was an 11 year old girl, you know, loving these movies and hearing about that, like how yeah, it's so, that's the upsetting thing that, that, is that would like, be. It's so double edged because on the one hand, as an 11, I think back as an 11 year old girl, like loving Star Wars as much as I did, like I wish there had been more women right. in Star Wars to love. Like I wish right. there had been more than just Leia. I love Leia, but she can't do everything. Right. And even reading these stories, like, there's all these like very sort of different, interesting, doing all kinds of different stuff, male characters, and then the female characters are like sexy. Right, dancers, right. They're dancers. Yeah. Even Mara Jade, who has a lot of other stuff she can do, the right, story is very right. focused on right. that she's acting attractive and compliant to get into this space. And right. you know, that is not ideal. Like I wish that I had had more. I right. wish I could have had Rose. She's amazing. I wish I could yeah. have had Ray. I love her. Right. But then yeah, I wish I, you know, Admiral Hall though. I wish I had Oh and god, Admiral. I was even thinking, you know, god, Laura Dern is a goddess. Right. She's unbelievable. And even just, you know, in the the first order you see female officers yeah, and Captain like Captain Phasma. Phasma, right? That like it's not, you know, yeah, women it's can everywhere. Be, women right? can be good. Right. They can be bad. Bad, you know, they, young, old. Right, old, right. They can be powerful. They can, you know it yeah, it it Yeah. It's, it's, Danny Newton and um so right. you know, so but like but the good part of being eleven in the late nineties, early aughts right. is that you got to be in the bubble, and right. if there were jerks down at the comic book store who right. were talking smack, right. like, you, didn't, you didn't know. No, like yeah. I never would have known. I never would have guessed that people felt would have thought right. felt that way that I was yeah. like less entitled to Star Wars. Right. I think girls today get told Star Wars. Little girls today get told Star Wars is for boys in a way that that it would, we did not get. I that, was yeah. never told. No, 
that and I never thought that like no, it never, it was never like mind. Star Wars Power Rangers I mean like the gender the, we've talked about this before but the extreme gendering of childhood is a very new um, right. phenomenon yeah yeah and like you know I had friends who were you know when I was in fifth grade and started getting into Star Wars like I had friends who were boys and friends who were girls and we all love Star Wars equally it's and there was strange. no you know we would play Star Wars and like it was <laughs> <laughs> pretend to be Jedi and yeah you know, it was for everyone, and there was. No... I always pretended to be a mechanic on the Millennium Falcon. Oh my god, that's so cool! <laughs> <laughs> I did not pretend. That. You know, the Millennium Falcon. It was always like breaking down, and my yeah. pretend character had like at one point. I don't know why. I, I may not have thought through it that much, but I had like stowed away on the Millennium Falcon, and they were gonna make me leave. But then I was so good at fixing the Millennium Falcon that's that I amazing. got to. Yeah. Be yeah, sort of like the third like member of the crew. <laughs> my, we might have to do a whole episode about like our like, pretend characters that we made up in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> we should do that. I don't remember what her name was. Very embarrassing. <laughs> but I was definitely like adopted by Han at some point. Yeah, I was and, like, like, I was, I was definitely force sensitive. Like I was. Oh, like, see, I wasn't force sensitive. I was much uh-oh. more like no mumbo jumbo with a good yeah. plaster on your side. I was definitely like capable of that but like raised by Han. <laughs> such good stuff but like it's good to know that like i'm simply not the only person yeah absolutely not i was there every everything I mean, we're definitely I liked, not the only two like <laughs> everything i liked there was an 11 or 12 year old girl who was like right near the action in my yeah version. i think i talked about this maybe in the first episode but like with back to the future like i was marty's little sister like yeah going 100%. on adventure yeah <laughs> But that's yeah. what it should be. It should be it kids should be. having fun and adults having fun. But as soon as you stop having fun, like hit the right. bricks. Right. It should be fun, right? Yeah. It should be, you know, it should be fun. It should be interesting. Exactly. But I felt like to bring it back to Tales from Drama's Palace. Yes, yeah, sorry. That's a big tangent. But I, I felt, think we needed to talk about I think about I just need that. to get that off my chest. Yeah. But I feel like Tales from Drama's Palace does exactly that kind of right. work. It's yeah. not, it's not the, like, fan service. It's not like, oh, let's spend books seeing Luke be awesome, and then we'll have some chapters where Han will be awesome, and then Leia yeah. will be sassy and be great. Like, I, it's not that. It's surprising. It's focusing yeah. on the characters you didn't ask for. Right. You, like, don't want. You don't want. Like, <laughs> like, who cares about the Gamorrean now? Me. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I want more. So much. I want a whole book. <laughs> so, what happened to him after? <laughs> so, yeah. So, this was a really sort of, like, fun palate cleanser departure and i like when star wars is brave enough to get away from the main characters i really like that a lot yeah so that being said going back right (laughs) we're diving right back into our main characters um so next week we're starting a journey i think we're starting jedi search right into jedi search right into the jedi academy trilogy which um we both read. Yes. You, I think, have a much more I vivid I am memory very of them. nervous and excited for this one because <laughs> I could, I think that, and I've been wrong before, but I think that I could sit down and tell almost chapter by chapter what, what happens in yeah, these. Yeah, I cannot. I definitely read them. I have very, very vague memories of what's happening in these books, but. I had these on audiobook and I yeah. listened to them. That a makes lot. sense. And I also have a pretty strong auditory memory. So I like I can remember 
like, the way that the guy narrating the book, like, said specific phrases and stuff, so I'll be really interested. I also had, I'll just go ahead and say it now before I can get embarrassed and back off of it, I had kind of a crush on Kit Duran, and... Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I I think I only had a crush on Kit Duran because he was younger than Han and thus closer to my age. Yeah, and and Han liked him, and so, like, I must also like him. But I'm thinking right. that that's not going to age super well. Yeah. So on the cover, so Jedi Search is the first. We have, um, is that Admiral Dalla? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't believe I remembered that. <laughs> this <laughs> is her, she, she's introduced in Jedi Search. So she's a big, I, I mean, she's not as big as Mara Jade, but she's a character that. She ends up that, hanging ends on up in, in a way that I would Star never have anticipated. Is she in Star Wars Rebels? I don't know, but she's a huge part of like New Jedi War. Yeah, so she's yeah like an Imperial officer, female Imperial officer. She commands um, like a fleet of Star Destroyers. Yeah, and so we see her, and I think that's the Millennium Falcon. And then there's like Han and Leia and Luke looking real serious <laughs> about something. <laughs> um, and I believe we will see um, Jaina and Jason. We do as as very little kids, and Anakin is born and. Anakin is a baby. He's, but he doesn't. Oh, he's born in Thrawn. No. When is, when is he born? I don't know. You know, aside from, at least in my memory, like my impression of these books that like aside from Thrawn trilogy, this was kind of the other. I think these are a major, major touch, yeah. touchstone. Like I think um, people, like I, I think a lot of expectations were built. In yeah. And sort of the early, I, I now that we've been doing this for a long time, I sort of do think of like, there's an early, like, Thrawn trilogy to, like, when the special editions came out, like, early release of these Expanded Universe books, and then things, like, sort of after, Yeah, I think, take on a little bit of a different, but I, in terms of, like, the early years of the Expanded Universe, which is where we've pretty much been, um, these books seem to have, like, and they, they influence a ton of what Right, what com- they do, comes, they do, this after. is a lot, there's a lot of table setting here, so. Yeah, yeah, a lot where... of characters that we ran into. <laughs> so that's where we're that's where we're headed yeah and so it should be a good time we'll see you there so tune in tune in soon yeah. we'll be back and yeah and we'll we'll come back to Jabba's Palace probably after maybe we could alternate with yeah something. that's a good idea maybe like we could intercut it with the Jedi Academy trilogy with the Jedi Academy yeah Just so yeah we're, we'll come back to these we're not done because they are really right yeah alright so, okay, bye Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you would like more information, please check out our website, adolescenceafteralderon.wordpress.com, for show notes and info about upcoming episodes. We're also on Twitter, after underscore Alderon. We're on Instagram, adolescenceafteralderon. And if you would like to touch base with us, ask questions, participate in the conversation, you can email us at adolescenceafteralderon at gmail.com. Thanks so much.